0: Welcome to the One Crossing podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Crossing Church, it is so good to be able to hang out with you today. Are you doing all right? Okay, I'll take it. I don't know about you, but I've had a week. You ever had one of those weeks where you're just going, someone needs to get me to church ASAP? That's one of those, that's the kind of week I've had. Um, I've had a bunch of you, I wasn't going to mention it, but I had a bunch of you guys say stuff to me throughout, you know, uh, getting ready for services. Yeah, our church has been um, featured in the news as of late from the Chicago Tribune to ABC, CNN, Fox News. They've been emailing us. We've, um, In light of their articles, some of our staff have received some profoundly hateful messages is how we've navigated, because apparently uh, we're the only place on uh, the continental United States that is doing ministry and uh, in a COVID way, and so they got hot to trot on us, Um, and what they didn't report in any of those messages is that in the last seven weeks, there's been 140 baptisms at this church, and... We have a mandate from God, and that mandate from God is to help people find an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we know that there are, yeah. and uh, We know that there are risks associated with doing ministry in a COVID world. We know that. And we try to do our uh, best to do that in a way that honors people's freedom, and at the same time, give people an opportunity to do ministry and find Jesus. And um, uh, the stats on on COVID are in, Um, uh, if you get it, um, you get sick. Um, Also, uh, the stats are in that when you die, if you don't have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, um, that is the greatest tragedy. And so I need you to know as a church, we wanna continue to respect your uh, personal freedoms and how you want to navigate. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want to blow up a bubble, blow up a bubble. If you want to stay 25 feet away from people, do it. If you don't feel comfortable being at one of our physical locations, uh, watch online from home. But uh, we are committed to continuing to do ministry to help people because people need Jesus. And you're gonna hear about that later today. So can you imagine me and Don Lemon Talking on CNN, that wouldn't have been healthy for anybody. Um, I, I even liked Don from time to time. Uh, but on top of all of that, I, uh, I got a phone call. I, I was quarantined. Um, uh, I've been quarantined four times. I have yet to get COVID. I might be the cure, okay? I'm not, I, I'm just saying. Uh, somehow I've, so I'm, I'm quarantined. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting, I get out this past uh, Wednesday. I get a phone call earlier in the week saying, hey, uh, from a funeral home saying, hey, there's this family, they would like you to do um, a funeral for uh, their mother who passed away. And I said, well, I get out of quarantine on Wednesday. uh, So, and I'm preaching on Thursday. They're like, well, we want to do the, they want to do the funeral on Friday. And I'm like, okay. I go, well, send me the contact information so I can reach out to the family and, and connect with them a couple days go by I don't get the information so I reach back out to the funeral home say hey uh, I need the information because I mean you can't write a funeral if you don't know who you're writing a funeral about so they send me the information I call uh, no one picks up it's one of those uh, you know voice mailboxes that have not been set up it just says leave a message so I leave a message hey this is Clayton Hensel from The Crossing I'm so sorry to hear about the passing of your mother. I want you to know I'm here for you. Um, Feel free to give me a call, gave him my cell phone number because I'd like to help put together a great tribute to your mom. Hang up the phone, go about the rest of my day. Two and a half hours later, I am walking down the stairs in my house. My phone rings, I pick it up and the person on the other end of the phone says, you mean to tell me my mother's dead? Yeah, how would you handle that? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I start listing off the people's names that have been, oh, no, that's not, I don't know who those people are. I think they gave me the wrong number, ma'am. So I text the funeral home, Hey, I told the wrong people their mom's dead. If you can give me the right contact information ASAP, that would be great. All caps. Have you ever had, well, have you ever had one of those weeks? Well, that's where I've been. And in the middle of all that, I was doing some uh, reading I was looking at some statistics and my heart was burdened by the fact that holistically, as Christians, our ability to share our faith, to communicate what we believe is diminishing. On the afternoon of April 18th, 1775, a young boy who worked at a stable in Boston overheard overheard one British officer say to another British officer something along the lines of, hell to pay tomorrow. The young stable boy ran with the news to Boston's north end to a silversmith by the name of Paul Revere. This was not the first news that had been brought to Paul Revere that day. (coughs) He'd been made aware of an unusual amount of British officers gathered along Boston's uh, Long Wharf, talking in hushed tones. British crewmen had been spotted hustling about throughout the day. As the afternoon unfolded, they became more and more convinced that the British were about to make the major move that had long been rumored, to march to the town of Lexington and to arrest colonial leaders John Hancock and Samuel Adams and take over the armory. At 10 p.m., they decided that they should warn the surrounding communities that, uh, around, around Boston that the British were on their way so the local militias could be ready to meet them. Revere was spirited across Boston Harbor to the ferry landing at Charleston. He jumped on a horse and he began the midnight ride of Paul Revere. In two hours, he covered 13 miles. In every town he knocked on doors and told them to spread the word concerning that the British are coming. Drums started beating. Church bells started ringing and it inspired others to start writing and doing the same. The news spread like a virus until alarms were going off over the entire region. The word was in Lincoln, Massachusetts by 1 a.m., in Sudsbury by 3 a.m., in Andover, 40 miles northwest of Boston by 5 a.m., and by 9 a.m. had reached as far west as Ashby. When the British began their march on the 19th, they were met to their utter surprise and horror with organized and fierce resistance. In Concord that day, the British were confronted and soundly beaten. And from that exchange came the war known as the American Revolution. That war eventually led a group of men to draft a document called the Declaration of Independence, which led to the formation of these United States. What would have happened if that stable boy had not passed on the information that he had overheard? What would have happened if Paul Revere had not taken the personal responsibility to ride in those wee hours of the morning? History is made, futures are shaped by the messages we choose to carry and the messages we choose not to carry. Like Paul Revere, you and I have a message to carry, a message that has been carried for centuries. This message has survived uh, emperors, dictators, world wars, revolutions. It's overcome droughts, famines, hurricanes, and tsunamis. It's made its way through pandemics, plagues, tornadoes and volcanoes. It's made its way through political opposition, survived apathy and persisted through fake news and social media. However, at the end result of this message is not a declaration of independence. In fact, our message is the exact opposite. Our message is a declaration of dependence where we are declaring our dependence solidly on the person and work of Jesus Christ. I wanna welcome you joining at all of our different locations, those of you who are watching online, those of you who are part of the Inside Family, and I wanna make a special thank you to those of you who are joining at all of our locations or watching online for the very first time. Maybe there's some of you today who you've never started an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm hoping that God will use some part of this message to help you begin that journey. When I came to faith in Jesus Christ, what I did all the time is I would invite people to church. That's what I would do. I would talk to somebody and I would invite them to church. I would be friends with somebody and I would invite them to church. And that was how I operated until I met a guy by the name of Jeff Nimco. I'd gone off to Bible college. I was going into full-time ministry. I was eating lunch and there was a camp Uh, that was doing signups, and they were looking for summer help. And I was like, I don't have anything to do this summer. I like making money. I'll go work there. And they hired me. This is going to, you know, you'll love this. They hired me to be a wrangler, um, to saddle 35 to 50 horses every day and give riding lessons because I had a history uh, working with uh, livestock. My dad was a veterinarian. And so I showed up at this camp and I I taught the riding classes and had a blast. You know, you feel sorry for the horse that, you know, I ride, but it doesn't buck. I can tell you that it it gets over that quick. Um, Anyhow, uh, while I was there, I met a guy by the name of Jeff Nimco. And Jeff Nimco never invited people to church. Jeff Nimco always chose to share his faith with them. He wasn't asking his pastor to tell them about Jesus. He was prepared to tell people about Jesus. And I started hanging out with Jeff and I started modeling everything about his life in uh, my life. So Jeff uh, didn't wear, um, well, when Jeff came to our church, he's been here, he was in my wedding. When Jeff showed up at one of our locations, he's been to two of them. The first thing that Jeff said when he walked into our auditoriums is look at all the running room. Now I need you to know, I've never once showed up at church and thought this is a great place to go for a run. That's never, I've never been, I've never had a moment with Jesus where I thought I should go for a run. But Jeff's different than me. He's like a marathon runner and then there's me. And at the time I need to paint this picture. it was actually 4th of July weekend when uh, this happened. Uh, I had long hair that, came, that rested gracefully on my shoulders. And I had convinced somebody to braid my hair in tight braids and then put red, white, and blue beads over those braids. So I had a red, white, and blue beaded mullet. Ladies, stay focused, I know. Just. Stay focused, ask God to just shield you, okay? And Jeff never wore uh, shoes. So I stopped wearing shoes. I said, why? He goes, well, you know, God's everywhere and uh, wherever God is, is holy. And so God told Moses to take off his sandals because the place where he was to, so we started walking around barefoot. Uh, Jeff would pick up trash everywhere he went. And so I started picking up trash everywhere we went. And i asked him, Uh, because the back of our vehicles were now full of trash. Why are we we picking up trash? He goes, that's why. I go, no, why are we picking up trash? He goes, that's why. I said, no, why are we picking up trash everywhere? He goes, that's why. I said, I don't understand. He goes, because people are always confused when they see some random guy just pulling over his car, putting it in park, picking up trash, walking into Walmart, picking up all the trash between where they parked and the front door. People wanna know why you're picking it up. And then what I get to do is, I get to tell them about Jesus, that's why. So Jeff would, um, we would go to this place called Mardell's. If you've never been to Mardell's, it's owned by the same family as Hobby Lobby, but Mardell's is more of like a Six Flags for homeschoolers uh, place. You go in and it has all of the cheesy uh, Christian t-shirts you know, the ones that like have the Reese's Pieces one, but it's Jesus Christ is awesome, or the Coca-Cola Christ is King, or, you know, My Lifeguard Walks on Water, those shirts. They have, that's what they do. They sell those, and then they sell these little pamphlets where it's like, a you know, a, a picture of, a, of you holding a hammer and a nail, and then you're like this, and then Jesus is behind you, holding you up with blood dripping out of the holes in his hands. Then, you know, you can give those to people because that's how you win people to Jesus. And so we would, we would buy all of these and we would go around and we would just talk to people. One of our favorite things to do is we would go into a gas station and we'd walk in really fast. Ma'am, where's your mop bucket? What do you, what do you, I need you to give me your mop bucket. Why? Ma'am, it's important. I've been sent here to mop the floor. Kid you not, back then, they would let you mop the floor. So now here's Jeff and I, me with my, with my beaded, red, white, and blue patriotic mullet, and we're mopping the floor bare feet. And we're just kinda hanging out, and then the lady would go, why are you mopping the floor? And I'd get ready to say something, and Jeff would be like, don't answer. <laughs> Sir, I gotta know, why are you mopping the floor? Don't say anything. I can't tell you. Sir, I gotta know, why, why are you mopping the floor? Jeff would go, now tell him. I'm mopping the floor because I know that when I used to work at a gas station, mopping the floor is the worst thing he did because as soon as you got done mopping it, the person with dirty feet came in or dirty shoes and they traped all over it. But more importantly, the reason why I'm here is I'm here to tell you that God loves you and that he wants an intimate personal relationship with you. And Jeff and I would share the gospel right there at every gas station that would take us in from Tulsa, Oklahoma, all the way to Oklahoma City. And we did it nonstop. And I have no clue if any of that ever did any good. But I can tell you that it changed me in that process because it taught me to share my faith we gather and we worship and we sing praise and we're emotionally moved by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross but if that if that feeling that we have never translates into us being able to share our faith and talk to people we've missed something because the gospel was never to come just to us it was supposed to come through us and i learned something valuable in that process that a Personal experience is better than a professional explanation. I know there's some of you who you would like, hey, I really wish I could get my friend to meet Clayton or Jerry or one of our awesome campus pastors or staff members and we would love to meet them and hang out with them. But our professional explanation is not gonna be nearly as powerful as your personal experience with Jesus Christ. Stats are in. People are sharing their faith less and less. They believe more and more it's the job of the local church, but it is no longer the job of the Christian, which is a problem because the local church is comprised of Christians. And if we don't share our faith, who's gonna tell them? And I know there's some of you who are going, but Clayton, I'm really, you know, I'm not that smart. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know a lot of things, so I mean, I'm not gonna do a really good job of telling people about Jesus. It's usually guys who are like, you know, I'm just G willikers, Clayton. I'm just not that smart. I'm like, are, aren't you the same guy who has like a preference of which deer you're in to use when it's hunting season? Like you've read up and you've figured out that like this brand of pee is better than this brand? And you know where to place it for maximum effect. Like, you're that good. The guy who from 50 yards away can spot the different migratory patterns of different birds and know which bird he can shoot and not shoot and not get in trouble, knows when he can start shooting and when he can stop or when he has to stop. The guys who know exactly what kind of food plot to put out and where to put it, those guys can't figure out how to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm not. I'm not buying it. I've seen ladies, I'll I'll pick on you for a bit. (laughs) Remember the the bearded, the braided mullet boy, ladies. I know ladies who have spent almost zero time in the kitchen will see something on Pinterest and they'll think to themselves, I can do this. Usually this is when they're single and they're inviting the man over to their house for the very first time because it is during that space and time in a woman's life where she feels that it's important for her to demonstrate to the guy that she's interested in that she loves to cook. And so she's in there whipping it up. Oh yeah. Hey. Huh. Yeah, oh this is me. I love I love cooking. I love making food all the time. That and rubbing feet. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, I just I just say to God, like all the time, like God, if I could just find one man where I could just rub his feet and cook him food all the time, I would be so happy. And and they will make this incredible banquet. Now, women behave like that right up until they have wedding cake. And after they've had wedding cake, all they care like, so Culver's or Dairy Queen, like where are we driving through tonight, sweetie? I'll make you something. I'll make a quick trip through the drive-thru. Okay, those women, who are going, I just don't know if I can tell people about Jesus, can put together a four course meal in a kitchen that they've barely used. Because when you want something, when you're motivated towards something, it's amazing the obstacles that you'll overcome. And we get worried that we're not gonna know what to say when we step into these relationships or these opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Well, look what Jesus says (coughs) in Matthew chapter 10. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, some of you are reading ahead, do not, everybody, about what to or how to Say it, why? Because at that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. When I was brought to faith, I was brought to faith through something called the Roman road. If you read the book of Romans and you read it kind of chronologically, it will draw you into an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. This was the gospel message as it was presented to me. Some of you may know this. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you're here today and you've never started an intimate personal relationship with Jesus, I want you to pay very close attention here. Every single one of you, you have sinned. You have fallen short, and you continue to fall short of the perfect standard that is God. That hole in your heart that you are trying to fix through relationship and success and possessions and uh, being around the right kind of people and going on the right kind of vacations, but you're never fully satisfied. You're trying to fill a hole that can only be filled by the presence of God. We have all sinned, and you can't buy your way uh, out of the situation you're in. You can't climb out of the situation you're in. You can't work hard enough to get you out of God's perfect standard because one mistake is all it takes. Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death. So because you've sinned and I've sinned, we deserve to die. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is coming in to redeem the situation of your sinfulness and my sinfulness. That's why my second favorite verse in all of scripture, Romans chapter five, verse eight. This verse is so beautiful. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you notice? He demonstrates his love for you that when you were at your worst, God chose to be at his best. You've never experienced anything like that. Husbands. When do you do the sweetest things for your wife? Usually after she's been sweet to you. You wait for her to be good to you and then you decide to be good to her. Ladies. When are you usually the sweetest to your husband? Oh, I'll tell you. After he's been sweet to you. And we wonder why there's so many relational challenges inside of marriages is because everybody else is waiting for somebody else to treat them right because after they get treated right, then they'll treat them right. Husbands, you're waiting for your wife to be good to you and ladies, you're waiting for your husband to be good to you and everybody's waiting on the other person. But God demonstrates his love like this, that when you were at your worst, he made up the decision that he was gonna be at his best. He didn't die for you because you were doing something right. He died for you in the middle of you doing everything wrong. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved in Romans ten thirteen, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're listening to me right now, apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're destined for hell. If you're listening to me right now and you believe in your heart that God sent his son to die on the cross on your behalf, and you recognize that he rose from the dead and has power over death, and you believe that the only way to the Father is through Jesus, you can be saved. You can begin that intimate personal relationship with Jesus. And in gas stations and toll booths and restaurants all across Tulsa, Oklahoma and Oklahoma City, Jeff Nimco and I would share that message. We would share it like this. And I wanna just put two, and these are cheesy, cheesy uh, tools in your tool belt to help you. I call them napkin gospels that uh, I could share the gospel on a napkin with somebody. Here's uh, how it would start. Romans 6.23, we just read this one. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I highlighted all the important words. We're gonna hit them in just a second. So imagine um, that you are on this big cliff. You're on this chasm over here, and uh, you're wanting to get over to this side. This is our life. We, We were born over here. And what's on this side of the, uh, of the cliff, I'll tell you. Wages, sin, and death. For the wages of sin is death. Now, if I were describing this as a place of real estate, I'm guessing nobody would buy. Like if I were saying, listen, this would be a great place for you to set up the rest of your life is right here. It's a corner lot. You'll love it. But you mean I'm building my life on a wages and sin and death? Well, there's another place you could buy. There's another corner right over here. Look at the opposite of this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now look at these two things. Here you are, and here I am. This is where we reside, this is where we live. Do you notice that each of these are the opposite of one another? Wages is what you earn. You deserve your wages, but you don't deserve gifts. Those are freely given. Gifts are the opposite of wages. Sin is the exact opposite of God. Death, I mean, most of you guys are smart enough, you're seeing, you're lining this up, is the exact opposite of life. So here you and I, we're born on this side of the cliff and you're going, but how do I get to this side of the cliff? How do I get the gift of God? How do I get eternal life? Well, the verse tells us, through Christ Jesus Christ our Lord, that the way that we get from this side to this side is through Jesus. And I'd be on that napkin and I'd finish drawing the cross. They would think I was David Copperfield and I'd spin it around. Do you wanna be baptized now? Okay. Here's the other way I learned it. Some of you guys have probably seen these uh, armbands. This is another way that Jesus came down That you and I, we didn't start off by climbing our way into heaven. Jesus made a way by coming down here to earth. He left heaven and came here to earth to live the perfect life that you and I could never live. And so then what he did is he died on the cross and paid a price that you and I could never pay. That he took the punishment on him that was due me and due you. Every sin that you've ever committed, you may not have been arrested for, but you know that you've done wrong and you wanna fix it and you wanna be a better person, but you'll never be able to be perfect because you've already made the mistake. So Jesus paid the price that you could not pay. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he proved that he was in fact the son of God. Anybody who dies and comes back to life is exactly who they say they are. And Jesus said, I'm the son of God. Not only did he prove that he is the son of God, but he also proved that those who are in an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ Do not have to fear death because they have the gift of eternal life and showing us that hell has no sting and no hold over us. Then he ascended up into heaven, which is where he is right now, preparing a place for you and for me, advocating on our behalf in front of the Father right now. One day though, he's gonna come back and he's gonna take all of us to be with him. And some of us, we may die before he comes back, but we will still face the judgment So he is gonna come back and you and I are gonna have to make a decision. And our job is to receive this message and to carry it into the lives of the people around us. Allow it to shape us, allow this message to transform who we are. And a lot of us, we would like this to be what the gospel message is. Where we just experience all that God has to offer but we never actually take it and share it to the people around us. What happened to us? I remember being in uh, athletics, and I remember wanting the ball. I remember when the game was coming to an end, if there was a high-pressure situation, I wanted the ball in my hands. I was playing basketball uh, the other day at men's conference with some guys, and I I realized I've lost all of my athletic talent. Like, it has is, it is gone to be with Jesus. I it, I did everything but bounce the ball off my head. It was, it was, It was profoundly embarrassing, but but I remember a time when I wanted the ball. You remember that, there was a time in your life where whether the game was won or lost, you were ready for it to be on your shoulders. There was a moment when you had confidence, you weren't the kind of person that, you know, was waiting for a girl to ask you out, you asked her out. You, you wanted to be in the pressure situations and somehow that part of us has died when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ instead of wanting the ball, We teach having a relationship with Jesus Christ like it's a hot potato. Like, well, you you tell people about Jesus. No, you tell them. Well, I don't want to tell them. You tell them. And who suffers? Not you. You already have your relationship with Jesus. And if all we're doing is playing hot potato, waiting for somebody else to step up and be the person, what about a waiting world that cannot call on the name of Jesus until it's been proclaimed to him? Perhaps the reason we've struggled to share the gospel of Jesus Christ is we've forgotten what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Do you know what the word gospel means? It means good news. That is literally, in the Greek, what gospel means means when you hear about hey the gospels those are the first four books in the new testament matthew mark luke and john the gospel of matthew is the good news about jesus according to matthew the gospel of luke is the good news about jesus according to luke the gospel at its core is good news and here is the good news that the war with god is over that peace has been made that we are no longer enemies, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, he has brought us close and adopted us and made us sons and daughters. That is why Paul cries out, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to the salvation of those who believe. The gospel is good news. And if we were to treat it like good news, we would share it like good news and it would change people's lives, which is even better news, but you might be asking, Clayton, who is the gospel good news for? Who's it good news to? I'll tell you. The gospel is good news for athletes, addicts, and adulterers. It's good news for barbers, beauticians, bankers, and bosses, convicts, and cheaters, cheerleaders, and crossfitters, doctors, and dentists, and drug dealers. (laughs) The gospel is good news for entrepreneurs and eye doctors and educators. It's good for farmers, firefighters, and praise God for fast food workers. It's good for grandparents, gamblers, groundskeepers, and graphics designers, high rollers and hypocrites and hackers, instructors, investors, impersonators, imposters, and incarcerated. Some of you are wondering, is he gonna go through the whole alphabet? You better buckle your little britches up, because I am. It's good for judges, jurors, and judgebells. kings, killers, and kale leaders, lawyers, losers, lovers, liars, medics, musicians, murderers, and movie stars, machinists, and managers, magicians, and military personnel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news for news anchors and neurologists, nurses and nannies, occupational therapists and oceanographers, obstetricians and orthodontists. That's a tongue tangler, and I nailed it. He's good for painters and politicians, paralegals and paper salesmen, pest control technicians and pharmacists, police officers and plumbers. It is good news news for QAnon believers, that's right, the letter Q, and quality control engineers, roofers and railway workers, recyclers and real estate agents, salesmen, sex workers, and shoe shiners, teachers and telemarketers, yes, even telemarketers, taxidermists and tattoo artists, tax preparers and tax avoiders, terrorists and tour guides, trade trimmers and truck drivers. It's good for umpires and upholsterers, used car salesmen and utility workers, ventriloquists and veterinarians, waiters and waitresses, window cleaners and widows, web designers and welders, x-ray tech technicians and xenophobes, yacht owners and yoga teachers, zoologists and Zamboni drivers. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news for everyone. And it's high time we acted like it. We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.